Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You got that old family house out in the country that you've had for generations and generations that you feel like you never leave. Well, of course, you want that protected to the nines. And so that's why this week's sponsor for the Bloom Files is our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. truth is out there and here who knows but either way we are opening up the bloom files here on post show recaps and x-files first watch slash rewatch podcast hello everybody mike bloom here ready to break down two enigmatic essential episodes of the x-files season four season four episode two home season four episode five the field where i died of course i am not alone i am joined by my partner in all past lives present lives, and future lives, Angela Bloom. Angela, how are you? Hey, I'm here. I'm ready. You ready to go? Are, your, pa- are your past lives ready to go? Are you experiencing My deja pa- vu right I now? I have so, oh, so many past lives, and they're ready. Yeah. Well, we. I don't want to, you know, bury the lead too much or bury the child. Oh, uh, God. We'll get into that with the second episode. But I know that you and I have had conversations offline, even before watching these episodes, about, like, the concept of past yeah. lives right and i don't think you have any i think you're brand new so i think I'm a, I'm a brand new little so it's like that movie soul yeah right? like i'm the brand new little soul yeah that just popped into his yeah first body. this is your first body and you're just like uh the <laughs> i'm wizen, like haggard the grizzled veteran at this point like exactly. hey, you don't know what you're about to go through kid exactly i've seen some shit exactly so we're gonna get into two. and we're gonna see some shit i mean we're gonna see some shit these were two at least one of them was uh horrifying and the other one was incredibly emotional and spiritual. Again, furthers this point that I've been making the entire time on the podcast of, I did not think this is what the X-Files would be. Yeah, you didn't think it would be about uh, the American dream, motherhood, and infanticide? Exactly. Or this idea of, uh, you know, meeting someone who may be your soulmate. Yes, and cults. exactly. And cults, yeah. <laughs> so it's just really a nice little mishmash, a potpourri of hot button issues. I mean, let's get into it. We, we, we have to start with home. Yes. Because we talked about, that's the first one we watched. Of course. <laughs> but we also talked about this last week that when we presented the idea of this project, I know that this is one that people said, oh, is he going to watch this one? He's got to watch right. this one. So this is one of the only, or I think the only X-Files episode to have a graphic 
content warning. Yeah, at got, the I, think, I think it got a TVMA rating. Right. But when it aired at the time, it had a graphic content warning. Um, and yeah, it was pretty graphic. I mean, yeah, this is, it's tough. I don't want to necessarily say scary. Scary is a weird term. It's like, right? it's creepy scary. It's dark. It's very it dark. Is it's very the dark. The most grim episode we have seen of the show. Yeah. So and far. I like, as soon as we, in my mind, I remember home being about the weird peacock family, mm-hmm. the creepos. Of course, the, the founders of the peacock streaming system. Of course. They went on to great success. <laughs> LOL. But I forgot that a lot of this had to do with the uh, dead babies. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how we open it up. And yeah, it has to be one of the darkest scenes I've seen in yes. quite some time. That's the thing as well, is I, I know that some people might feel like, oh, yeah, this was really big at the time. But I feel like nowadays it's it's par for the course. That may be, but I think it's still effective. Like, holds up. Yeah. And it's weird to, still to, to say it holds up. But, you know, uh, Ryan Murphy, for instance, really likes to produce schlocky, horror, mm-hmm. creepy stuff. But this is legitimately grim. Disturbing. Yeah. So, incredibly disturbing. And in the beginning, you don't know what's happening like you don't know that this baby is like so deformed that yeah because like, it, it wasn't it, gonna survive it was a dark and stormy night as we open as it yes. looks like i don't know it almost looks like a perverted frankenstein yeah like someone's on mm-hmm. a, a, a and the bed. coloring is like very gloomy yeah we did actually have to, we had to like turn off <laughs> yeah. all the lights in our room because this episode is shaded so dark they really yeah we couldn't it. see anything i mean i guess uh because the peacock home right has no it has no windows yeah so and the windows are all like boarded up and everything so there was really yeah. hard to see anything so halfway through the episode you were like i have no idea what's going on yeah. and i was like let's turn every, off the every light time, every time we come to the peacock home because like i want to see the freaks Show me the freaks. Yeah, and you do see them, so it's not like they were not showing them. It's like uh, we just couldn't see them because of our television. Here comes a baby. I will say, I mean, maybe again, that's due to the lighting effects. Uh, we're going to find out that that's from Mrs. Peacock. I thought it was from a man. Yeah, well, I mean, the silhouette they're showing of Mrs. Peacock, it's not like she looked rather, I don't want to say womanly, but it, it didn't look like a mother giving birth. It looked like some sort of creature. Yeah, so I was like, oh, okay, we're going into weird Arnold Schwarzenegger Jr. territory. <laughs> no, not, not that. <laughs> Which might have been the reason why they go immediately out to the field. They dig a hole. And they bury the baby. While it's crying. While it's crying. Yeah, that's... And uh, apparently some behind-the-scenes stuff is like, apparently this scene was initially much worse. Yeah. Like, they included sounds of the baby's cries getting slowly muffled by Mm -hmm. the dirt, and the censors were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. They were like, no, no, no. So you do hear the cry stop before they put the baby in the ground. Right, to be like, oh, no, but the baby's sick, and so they, they buried it afterwards, as opposed to, we buried this child alive. Yeah. But, I mean, later on you'll see that they did that because it was so messed up and would not have survived anyway. Yeah, I mean, this this scene is so messed up, yeah. much like this child. It's just a, it's a raw, gruesome way to start, especially from my perspective. And how did you feel about the Peacock brothers? Did you feel taken out of it at all by their prosthetics? Or well, the, I mean, I guess it was fortunate that I didn't see most of yeah. their prosthetics most of the time, right? Like, all we see in this opening one is I noticed there was the, the bald one. The I, guess bald that, one. I guess that's Edmund, right? That is Edmund. That's the, one the daddy brother. The, end, the one who's, and he's just like, he's sobbing about it. But I don't think we see the other ones until the next scene. So what, there's 
There's Edmund, the bald-headed one. There sort of is like the one with the I don't long, know their names. stringy hair. Yeah. <laughs> I know Edmund, the bald one, and then the other two, like, caveman-looking ones. Yeah, they, they look very much like uh, Cro-Magnon, or if yes. they had been, like, been on Survivor near a nuclear plant explosion, Ugh, right, yeah. where they're yeah, both yeah, yeah, feral, yeah. but also and they have, like, mutated. tumors everywhere, and it's gross. Yeah, so then we cut to uh, the Sandlot 3, in home dot 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 Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, it is jarring. Um, all of a sudden, it's like these kids playing baseball in a field. So you're like uh, confused about what's happening. I do like because you always wonder, OK, what's the meaning of the title? Uh, they went a little bit spacey, not in terms of uh, the the astronomical circumstances. Well, I think in- you knew right away that it was about home Pennsylvania. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, pre- the previous week, it was like, oh, Heronvoke refers to the master mm-hmm. race. This is more so you are in home Pennsylvania. There's a home plate. And they're talking about the Peacock home. Yeah, I think it's, I think that it's about home Pennsylvania and then the idea of home. Like, where is your home? What does your home mean to you? How do you encapsulate that into um, your family and right. all of that, especially with the sheriff? They're and, just covering all their bases, yes. if you will, both first, second, Pun and third. intended. Yeah, so, but this is when we also get, you know, a little bit of a call to... Despite the freakiness of this, now we go to a bit of the Americana, and to mm-hmm. your point, that's sort of the point of the episode of, oh, no, that's the old peacock resident. Yeah, and so they, the kids are playing baseball, a ball goes into the peacock yeah, household. The, the baby Ruth baseball gets hit into the peacock haunted house. Yeah, and they just kind of leave it and continue to play. But one of the kids is stepping on one of the home, uh, one of the bases, and all of a sudden blood starts coming up, and yeah. he screams, and then we cut to... And, and there's a little baby hand. There's a little baby oh. hand. Well, I will say the little baby hand did not look like a little baby hand. Yeah. It looked like a king cake baby hand. Yeah. Well, listen, maybe, uh, I mean, this was just, it was before. prosthetic for like that didn't jar me because it was so more obviously like a fake. baby born baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's still, it's, 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 it's it was it's upsetting. disturbing. All yeah. right. Look, I will, I love you. So I will forgive you for having you show me an episode where there is indeed stuff, bad stuff that happens to children. Cause that yeah, made me sorry. Really, makes me really sad. I know I try to avoid those, but this, we couldn't avoid this. Episode. Yeah. I mean, our, our son is a couple years old, but like, we're not too far removed from experiencing him as a little baby. Little baby ashy. Yeah. And so I don't want to, I don't want to equate that image in my mind. Maybe well, the- don't because it's not the peak. We didn't, we're not brother, sister, mother, father, children we're not no oh no <laughs> sorry no incest baby here oh darn it <laughs> totally different genomes <laughs> exactly so um holder and scully are going to be on the case this is when we get a little bit of a uh the hint of oh yeah Mulder's a baseball guy oh, right god yeah he's like he's sniffing the baseball he's, he's pretending oh, to throw de- a fastball. oh de ball is that what he says yeah yeah he says like oh de ball or something like that yeah and and Mulder is so fixated on this baseball that scully is just like doing like tricks with it yeah, popping it and she, yeah she's doing the thing right where he pops it on his elbow yes. and patches it uh, <laughs> and, a, and scully's he's like, a sports guy Mulder, you there Mulder. Mulder. Oh, no, here comes an alien. Mulder, are you going to pay attention? I'm a spokesperson for the ab roller now, Mulder. I do this a lot to you. You do. Yeah, because you get absorbed sometimes. I have a tough time multitasking. Yeah, so sometimes I'll just be, I'll try to ask you something you don't answer, so I'll just start saying stuff to try to get your attention. But Mulder's not necessarily immersed in just the baseball, right? Because the baseball means something to him. He's, you know, back in the days when things were simpler, where we'd eat bologna sandwiches and I had no cell phone on He has some daddy issues. He's a real Gen Xer at this point. And he has some daddy issues. You know, maybe playing catch with dad brings back some memories and all that. Yeah, like kids don't, kids have have much better these days 
No, I think he feels like they can't afford their peacock homes because they're avocado toast. <laughs> That's what he would say now. <laughs> That's true, exactly. No, in this case, he sort of is becoming more of a boomer. Right? Yeah, he's more of a. He, well, I think for him, he just wants to. He wants it to be simple. Well, yeah, because his life is anything but. Yes. So we find out a bit of a background on the peacock home. First off, the town of home is only a few hundred people. It's yeah. very much like almost under the dome. Like in that they it's pretty just much a rural air- Pennsylvania. I mean, mm-hmm. we went to college in Pennsylvania, but yeah. there are extremely rural towns there. I mean, there are just these pockets of literally like three farmhouses. I mean, even the college that we went to, I mean, they nicknamed it the Mulen Bubble because yeah. it very much had that similar like insular type of feeling where everything's contained within a certain you yeah. know square radius and nobody really leaves there and it fosters its own community. Yeah, and so home Pennsylvania is like that where it's. Uh, very much so Pleasantville, and nothing happens. Nobody locks their doors. The yeah. sheriff doesn't even carry a gun. Yeah, but, I mean, they'll, the, the, the Mulder will soon find out that that's not the case maybe later on. Yes. Because they have this dark secret in the form of the Peacock Farm, which is home to three, quote-unquote, human yes. men, I think is, is the way that they put it. Uh, and there's a story about, oh, the parents got in a car wreck, and the mm-hmm. bodies got dragged back to the house, so we don't know if they're alive. But we know that they've been living on this farm since the Civil War, completely self-sufficient off the grid basically they said they grow their own food mm-hmm. they uh, they tend to their own livestock they tend to no they have their own pigs mm-hmm. and they grow their own lives or they what do they say basically he was like insinuating incest yeah basically like they they're planting their own family tree yeah in a manner yeah and then he was like if you get my meaning and Mulder's like i do <laughs> yeah this well this cop is intriguing the sheriff like he really likes to monologue he goes so aggro during not want to say aggro but like ham i don't know just like really aggressive about how amazing his hometown is yeah, and like, he doesn't oh, want damn, anything to change these damn hicks are effing everything up i don't want anything to change right now we all have peaceful simple lives so you complicated government folk better not come in and interfere with our day-to-day exactly um but they're gonna i mean it's so complicated uh, simple to the point where at the police station, they don't have a morgue. They also don't have a, an off. He doesn't want to let them in their office, in the office where he sits that has a door, because he never locks his door and people, he never closes it. So people would be suspicious if they were in his office with the door shut. So yeah. he puts Scully in a tiny, tiny like little a, bathroom. Like an airplane bathroom. And she's it a medical like, doctor. It had like gamer. a half toilet. Yeah. The toilet was so weird looking. This is like if you're trying to buy real estate on the Upper East Side. Yes, and exactly. That, this is sort of like it's a studio apartment, With basically. like a fold-away Not bed only that, but so they, that's where Scully has to do sort of an autopsy on this poor little dead newborn, but... It was kept in the fridge. Yeah. Like, there's not even a separate fridge no. for evidence or forensic stuff. It Dead was more so, fridge. hey, let's keep it next to Carl's leftover liverwurst sandwich. Yeah. It's really gross. Um, so, yeah, they're doing the autopsy, and Scully is, like, shocked. She is, like, aghast. She's just, first of all, totally grossed out. Mm-hmm. And then, second of all, um, says, like, it shouldn't even be possible what she's seeing. Yeah, she's saying that there's genetic deformities that go back, what, like, generations? Generations, like, multiple generations, and also, they shouldn't be able to coexist, all these different deformities. Yeah, I know that Spencer pointed out something about how it really seems to underline, like, listen, I know, and this is a spoiler alert for what's to come in the series, 
I know that at one point Scully will be pregnant. Yes. And I feel like this scene in particular really underlines the stuff, right? Like her This episode in the, general. Yeah, is her reacting start. to the baby. So this episode is, I think, the start of this... Something new? No. Um, of this through line of Scully wants to be a mom. And mm-hmm. Mulder sort of puts that on her, but you'll see in future episodes that it's something that she never considered about herself, but that she does want... And you can tell there's a scene later where they're sitting on the bench talking about it. Yeah. And Mulder's like, I never considered you to be a mom, but like you'd be a really yeah, it's, good mom. This, this scene right yeah. here where basically she's, Scully's like projecting a little bit, right? She's talking yeah. about the unfortunate fate of the baby and Mulder says, oh, I've never seen you as a mother before. Yeah. And so this is the beginning of that. And I think that it's something about Scully's character that we we're just going to start to delve into the fact that she wants more out of life than just um, chasing aliens and being in the FBI. And that's perhaps to have a family. Um, but she also, there's this dichotomy of her as like a, I don't want to say working girl, but like as a, a career woman. Right. Married how do you, job. how do you balance the two? And it's okay to want both. And mm-hmm. even in this episode later on, you're going to see, um, Mrs. Peacock basically state that her only purpose in life is to children. And yeah. And like, and so, and, and so she's like to the point where she basically is living vicariously through them in a manner of speaking of like, well, I'm happy if they're happy. Yeah, it's like creepy. Yeah, and well, speaking of creepy, you think that the the dark aspects end with the opening? No, because Scully's theory basically at this point is, well, they probably kidnapped a woman, yes. and are raping her to produce more. Well, children. because they don't think that they. She says this whole thing, this very, like, Jurassic Park, like, life will, like... Life finds a way. Life finds a way. And um, basically insinuating that there's three males there, and they're gonna... They're very, like, caveman-y, and they're gonna figure out a way to procreate. They're they're gonna club a woman over the head and drag her back to the cave. Yeah, so it makes sense. She doesn't realize that the mother's still alive, but... Right, because they assume that, oh, they got in the car accident, and they had died at some point. Because I can imagine that even Civil War-era technology probably would not make someone survive a car accident. Yeah, they. I mean, they brought them back to the house after a car accident and stitched her up. It's terrifying. She's lucky she's alive, honestly. Yeah, so well, not really, they're going to but... head to the Peacock home and get a fun little uh, upward angle on a gross yeah, we head. Yeah, we were talking about this. The whole episode, there are up angles of shots, and I think that it's meant to be like the view from like with the way Mrs. Peacock sees things. Oh, that's because later on it's the same view, but it's her looking at Scully. Right. Well, cause that's how we're going to, we're going to focus here. They're, they're going to explore the home a little bit. I guess boys were away, uh, probably about to be a murder in and they, they find some clues, right? They find out that the footprint on, in the no, house, the boys were there. They just didn't realize they were there. Oh, I think. Okay. No, well, cause I know that it's going to eventually end with, them leaving and it's a shot of Mrs. Peacock's uh, yeah. eyes. So I don't know. Maybe they, so, so they gonna, don't leave the place. Remember, they don't leave the homestead. So maybe they're outside doing something. Yeah, or, maybe. Maybe I don't know. I, I guess Mulder and Scully were super stealthy then. Yeah, or just lucky. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, they're they're going to enact a plan very soon, right? We get some like gross close-ups of one of them siphoning gas from a car to fuel up their Cadillac that they they take a cable. Well, yeah. From so the that's place. why I said they were when Mulder and Scully initially go there. They um. I think the peacocks were there because they overhear Mulder and Scully talking about the sheriff, and that's why they have to go kill the sheriff. Yeah, and they they do it. I mean, because the instance is that they have these heightened senses because they're like so anesthetic, right, so they, they can they see, they, they can smell, they can't feel pain, they can smell like really well and track via that, and they can hear really well. But yeah, so 
they've never left the property. That's why they have to siphon gas and put it in the Cadillac that they found. Right. So again, if they can't feel pain, like I'm sure they're fine drinking gasoline, I suppose. Oh, God. That Maybe was, that's that like a like, nice sprite for them. That was disgusting. Yeah, but they're going to drive away. And as Mulder espouses to Scully, like, ah, it's a seedy motel. Doesn't matter if the door's locked, though, because it's a place where mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about being in danger whatsoever. The music in this was interesting, too, because as they're driving away, it's to like, uh, do you know what song it was? So it's, it's called Wonderful, Wonderful yeah. by Johnny Mathis. But the fun fact is that Johnny Mathis, the musician behind it, read the screenplay for the episode before, you know, when he was asked to license uh-huh. it, and he's like, hell no! <laughs> yeah. And so they had to have someone record a cover of it. That's funny, yeah. So like, no, I don't want my music in this episode. Yeah, that's hilarious, because it's it's perfect. It's, like, basically saying, like, this is the best version of life. Like, everything's wonderful. Yeah. It's very much um like a Clockwork Orange singing in the rain. Pleasantville. Playing, yeah, during during that whole home invasion thing. And that's, and that's what basically happens here. It's gruesome. But I think it's really well done. Like yeah. The only soundtrack, to your point, to this scene is wonderful, wonderful. This is very much out of, like, uh, When a Stranger Calls yes. or The Hills Have Eyes, like that specific type of horror as well. Uh, yeah, this was, I think, even scarier than the end for you because it was like you were basically embodying the way the sheriff was feeling where, yeah. he, where he's standing by the door and, like, shushing his wife and, like, holding the bat and you're, like, just waiting. Swing away. Yeah. And so he he does his best to defend himself, but he is bludgeoned to death. Yeah, he he tries because he knows what's coming, right? That's why he does lock his door. Uh, and so he tells his wife to get under the bed, and he gets ready. But the bat can only do so much work before these guys just overpower him. No, and- he did lock his door. I thought he did. No, so they showed the door unlocked. Oh, that was the gotcha. si- shot. They're basically they're sitting on the porch before it all happens, and he's just like, "I have a feeling everything's about to change." And she's like, "Don't be dumb. Come to bed." And mm-hmm. they walk inside and they leave the door unlocked. I mean, everything does change. Specifically, their their, their lives. Yeah. Oh God, so terrible. Yeah, but and then all we hear in the background is it's like, "Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful." As this poor couple is murdered. Mm, yeah, and so. While one cop is dead, the nephew of the cop is now on sort of like a revenge he the, mission. He was the nephew? Pastor? I, I think he was just like a... Like I, thought a they, I thought he said he was his nephew. Oh, I didn't I didn't hear that. But either way, he's like the young buck, the up-and-coming deputy is yeah, now the, the only one left. Basically, I'm assuming this... His name is Pastor, too. This is such weird. a simple town that there probably are only two cops in it, a yeah, la of a course. cartoon. yeah. And yeah, none of them carry guns, which is weird. But Pastor pulls out his gun. And he's like, "We have these." And yeah, Mulder. Mulder say. says he's a real Chuck Bronson. Yeah, yeah. Sick of, reference. Of course, yeah, of course, Mulder would specifically nickname Charles Bronson Chuck Bronson. <laughs> yeah, he's special. Also, Mulder has a really creepy reference early on in true Mulder fashion, where as they're hanging out at the motel, he's he's about to leave, and he goes, "Oh, good night, mom." And just uh, yeah, it's so pervy on some. But many I think this is very typical. I don't know if it's if it was meant to be pervy, but it does come across a little pervy. It's meant to be like a joking sort of like, haha, we were talking about you being a mom. I think this was typical back in the day, you know. Right, and it's also very much like what was it, the Waltons, like Good yeah. night, John Bob or whatever. That oh was. no, and I think it's like remember you'd be like if somebody was like telling you what to do, you'd be like whatever, mom. Like I think like that. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I feel like you you did in your teenage days. No, I didn't. But you know, if you were hanging out with your friends and oh, people God. were like, we're oh. being like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like, yeah, right. Mom. Exactly. Like that. No, I'm going I'm, I'm to fall down these stairs. Michael, I would never say that to my mother. No, but I think, would you say that? Well, I guess, yeah, you're, no. you're not as impetuous as maybe. 
some of us were. I was impetuous from like the age of like one to five. And then I became like a little tiny, like meepy. Like I was so afraid to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so then, you got your troublesome phase out of the way, your rebellious phase in your it was, And it years. was more, more like verbal rebelliousness. Like I just thought I was like very smart. And I was. <laughs> and I was you were. Very intelligent. Listen, you're just speaking the truth. You're just yelling at Santas in malls and telling them I know what's what. Exactly. Like you knew the truth. It's I just did. that maybe other kids that age didn't. They didn't you're really like a molder in that regard, wasn't, right i was very you're like the truth is out there and i know it <gasps> it's gonna be asher so we cut to the peacocks here as they're sort of like the peacocks are gonna have their day tonight <laughs> yeah they're like getting ready and it's like all to a um which is weird that they're getting for something because i thought they just did yeah something. You, you think that they did something big but well i think it's because they basically feel like okay now that we killed the cops, the They're feds gonna are going to come, gonna, are gonna come yeah. here. And so we're going to... It's actually uh, compares very nicely to the second episode we're going to talk about. Like, we're, we're going to fend our home, mm-hmm. you know? But they're doing... I mean, the ritual involves what? They're eating bread and puking it back up, it seems? No, I think he was chewing food and then giving it to his mother as, like, a baby bird. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, your worst nightmare. I do that a lot for Asher, though. Yeah, I mean, it's also a nice reverse of you know, the baby bird chewing up and giving it to his mother instead of the other way yeah. around. So And then they're getting they're getting naked. Yeah, this was always really confusing to me because I think that the dog insinuates that they're gonna like do something. So I always thought they were like getting naked to all like, I don't know, have sex with the mom oh, or something. God. But that's I don't think that's what actually happens. Um but that's always how I felt and I was always a little like nervy yeah i mean nervy and pervy they're they're getting changed and like you said i think i guess it's edmund right is is giving this his own little braveheart monologue no it's the mom is it no it's it's, the mom that's giving it that's giving the monologue about we have to fight yeah yeah well it's the mom she's the one that's like she's but we don't see her yet no you don't see her you only hear her and none of the three boys talk oh i thought i thought edmund talked for whatever reason no because he he talks at the end no, she talks to him. That's her voice. From the trunk of the car in the end. That's yes. Her voice. She, he's in the trunk with her. And then he gets out of the trunk. That's wild. To that's me. her. That's wild. That's her voice. That's absolutely bananas. It's the mom. All right. Well, maybe we'll look this up during the break because I. You don't believe me. I, I know you don't, you. but it's true. <laughs> I, I want to believe, but I, yeah, I'm not. Mike I, loves to do this. He loves to fight me on stuff. I'm just going to fight you. But I know it's right. Uh, you're probably right, but that is, it's definitely that is the wild to me. That now we have this like disembodied voice that is guiding them as they get ready to fight. Yeah. It's, fight with their muskets. It's the mom. Yeah. And so. Uh, you know, the, what's his name? Pastor. Pastor. Is gonna, he's ready to go in guns blazing, uh, and he quickly dies. They have like Yeah, because they have a booby trap. Yeah, they have a home, they go home alone style. He's decapitated. I'm not afraid anymore, you dirty bandits. And so he walks in, like, does a tripwire and an axe cuts his head off. And then the brothers apparently rip him apart. For no reason, because they're not like cannibalistic, I would no. imagine. And, I mean, maybe they are. They probably yeah. are. And it's all, this is also where you made a note of this before, but this is when Mulder's going to vocalize how animalistic they've gotten, yes. right? Because he had also been watching um, a documentary on TV about, yeah, sort about of, like, like coyotes yeah, or something. Pack predatory models. And so I think he's relaying what he saw in National Geographic. Uh, and so they're going to run into some sheep. And this is a very fun moment. No, very piggies. Fun. Pig, is it piggies? Or it's is, pigs. They release the pigs. But that, I feel like that makes less sense. No, than, it does. Because a babe is pig. Right. But isn't babe supposed to move the sheep? Yeah, but it's fine. 
Paul and you are fine for getting details about this because uh, there are things that very much stick out in my head that maybe some of the smaller details have been yeah. obscured. No, so they decide they're going to release the pigs because that's going to distract the brothers. Yeah, but I so, do like Scully quoting Baby sincerely. Sincerely. And Mulder very... goes, oh, and people call me spooky. Yeah. And that, sh- that should bring up a point here. So the- this episode comes from, both of the episodes we're watching, interestingly enough, come from two writers, Glenn Morgan, who's the older mm-hmm. brother of Darren Morgan, and James Wong. These guys haven't written for the show, I think, since, like, season one they or two. They left the show after season two. Yeah, and so I feel like it's been a while since we've had the callback to Spooky. Yeah. And I feel like they were like, oh, yeah, everybody... everybody and it's in both episodes. Yeah, oh, everyone still calls Mulder Spooky, right? Let's bring that thing back. I like it. It's just a fun thing. of Oh, they haven't called him Spooky for a while. Uh, so they they get back into the home. They find newspapers that date back to Elvis's death. Yeah, and she sees uh, Scully notices all the pictures on the wall too of like the peacocks through the different times. I guess. Yeah, peacocks through the ages. Yeah, exactly. And so they find the woman. Yeah. So this is a a, a bit of a jump scare, but I think I prepared you well enough that it wasn't a jump scare. It yeah, was but, just a well, creep I was scare. Not startled. I was more so alarmed yeah because when the way i remembered it she they pull her out and she just starts screaming yes and that does happen but it wasn't like so much like that it scares you no it does it's less about the sound to me and it was more about the sight yes which is a woman with her arms and legs cut off quadruple amputee screaming at the top of her lungs yes jesus christ and then she turns her head and she has that like eye that's bulging out and yeah, half has, of her face yeah, is like, like missing snout at the end of it baram you well i think it's just that her nose is like gone right because they had She's to do some, Voldemort. Like, uh last plastic surgery to to make her survive here essentially but yeah it's it's a rough it's one of the most visually arresting things i've not only seen on the it's x-files really, but it's really on, upsetting on tv in quite Plus, some time you, you think about the fact that this woman is you don't know who she is yet you don't know it's the mom right you assume that this is the kidnapped woman yes so you are very upset i mean it's it's incredibly upsetting because think about just like the perverted existence that this woman has had right where yes they had been raising their their odd incest family on the farm but like now she has to live this miserable life but she's not miserable this is like she it's her duty she's honored to to bring these children into existence yeah. disgusting disgusting and Mulder's like scully uh you should try to sympathize with the mother i know you've got baby on the brain so uh, yeah this was annoying to me Mulder, like Mulder's like why don't you go talk to her while i keep lookout yeah because he basically is trying to say the only way this is not going to end in a firefight is if you talk to the mother convince her to, to leave to convince her to like to tell the boys to back down yeah and to let us like bring her to safety or whatever and obviously that doesn't happen she is clearly down that well at a certain point <laughs> where she says, you know, I can tell you don't have children. Maybe one day you'll learn. You'll understand. The, the pride when you know your boy will do anything will the first pride. Mother. Yeah, exactly. In her nest, other ex. Not exactly um, a beacon of motherhood. No. I should say, I don't know. You're a mother. Do you, I am. Agree or disagree? Uh, I disagree. <laughs> With everything she ever says. Vehemently. But I mean, she's not going to be a mother of three for very long because basically one they're they're all going to come to a head one brother's going to get killed by his own trap another one's going to get shot by Mulder in a confrontation mm-hmm. uh but by the time that they try to go back for the mother she has well she has escaped but it's very clear that someone has helped her escape just due to uh her hindrances i should say yeah and i guess so her they pull out the bed and the bed it's missing they see the scrapes yeah, on there's, the floor. there's like a spider hole almost yeah uh, and so you know they they were able to get away and then uh, we end on basically the two of them were hiding out in the trunk 
just sort of waiting for the feds to go away. And we have someone, I suppose it's the mother, uh, monologuing about like, oh, we're going to find a new home and we're going to continue our family. You have to think about it this way. She is the one that is encouraging all of this, basically. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything, these boys. So she's like, it's it's okay. We're going to make a new home. Yeah, and so he drives them off to a new home. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Do you think it's it's sort of that thing from uh, How I Met Your Mother, where like that's the only tape that's in the the yeah. the, the, the tape the yeah, tape player? I think so. So he's just getting growing crazy listening to that for hours on hours on end. What's interesting to me is that this, much like the the tomb stuff from the beginning of the series, really sets up a oh Edmund and his mother will return. Do they ever? I don't know. No, I mean, they're going to go find... I mean, they don't in the X-Files, but the idea is that they're out there doing this all over again. Right, but what I mean is, you know, we got... Do we see them again? No. Okay, uh, because we got to follow up, obviously, to Eugene Toomes later on this No, but that was, like, very tactical. This is like, no, we don't see them again. Which is great, because I'm I'm fine watching... (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's one and done. One time, and one time only. We should mention before we, we take a break here some... Uh, some inspiration for this, right? <laughs> it's about the Charlie Chaplin stuff? <laughs> yes, there's a few things. First, there's Brother's Keeper, which is a documentary from 1992, which basically I talked about a similar story to the Peacocks, that there was like this family that had, through generations of incest, lived on this farm, basically, and that I think one brother killed another brother, and so the police got involved. Uh, and so it was sort of incorporating that point of the lifestyle, as well as, as you mentioned, Charlie Chaplin tells a story in his autobiography where basically he had stayed in like a miner's home while he was on tour and the, his host had introduced him to this legless man named Gilbert who slept in a kitchen cupboard. Yeah, legless guy. Yeah, I mean, and I think Glenn Morgan uh misremembers that and makes it like oh no it was a it was a man with no arms and no legs. I mean it doesn't really matter cuz it's really weird and creepy. <laughs> yeah and, and so it's it's a very arresting image and so they really wanted to invoke yeah, that. Yeah obviously st- stuck with him you know which is like a little crazy. Yeah and it's going to it's going to stick away with all of us especially this ending sequence as well like mm-hmm. this idea of uh, oh globalization has taken over and so now he's going to drive away in his white Cadillac and start a family somewhere else. Yeah, to start another... Which is also upsetting, because that means that she's going to have to get pregnant with his baby again. It's yeah, like, exactly. Ew. They're going to find another white picket fence house, what? raise two, you know, 2.5 mutant children. It's just, it's absolutely sickening. But I do like how, again, it's a perversion on that warped ideal of the American life, right? That, like, yeah. despite this insistence of, oh, this town is nice and simple... These guys believe it too, but they're they're using it in their own way, almost against the entire idea of uh, you know the yeah. simple American life. Yeah, it's like a sort of dystopian version of that. Exactly. So we're gonna take a break to just like get away from that. Yeah, and then yeah. and when we come back, we're gonna talk more Civil War stuff. Though we're gonna get into the field where I died. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are back. Now, I don't want to spend any more time specifically in home, but I want to issue a couple of corrections from the first half before we move into the second. Uh, first, you're right. That pastor was not the nephew. I think I misheard when he said deputy instead yeah, of nephew. Yeah, you heard deputy as nephew. But I think the big question from the first half of this podcast as to whether or not it was the mom or one of the, the brothers talking, the answer is actually we're both right. According to the transcript, uh-huh. apparently the first speech when they're getting ready uh-huh. is from one of the brothers. It's from I Sherman. See. But the final monologue is from Mrs. Peacock. Okay, well, they sound the same. Well, I, they have a lot in common. <laughs> I suppose, specifically genetically. Uh, Shall we move into the field where I died? The field where I died. Uh, Yeah, because uh, this is is a really interesting storytelling device. Like, this is going to end up coming full circle, but this is media res where Mulder is reading a poem, right? Yeah, they... this is the last time they'll do this where I, well and you've experienced it as well when they were in the reservation and Mulder is like philosophizing about yeah, yeah so, so. And, and we've experienced a bit of media res when it was you know uh, Scully runs in on Mulder yes. uh, keep him cold or else he'll die yeah they love to do also just the voiceover of um, David Duchovny doing some sort of yeah they love to put a, par- a paragraph of text in front of David Duchovny in the studio and just say can you read this and you're like very nice monotone voice. So I think I think it's it, it works for him. It's a very meaty poem. I was trying to you know put on my twelfth grade English hat and analyze it. Yeah, but. it's and I I looked it up and it's not something I was familiar with anyway. But it, it is very much so about like following your path or yeah, something. Yeah, t- taking the sage's path. Yeah, is really what what he's talking about. And Mulder himself has a really interesting look. Like, he looks even different. He's got a little bit mm-hmm. of, a, of a middle part. His hair almost looks like it has some product in it. It's a little floppy. Yeah, but I mean, his... Uh, he's also rocking that uh, rolled-up shirt-sleeve look that I yeah. love so much. But I think he's distraught. He's just standing in a field yes. looking at Civil War photos. It's a it's a very arresting cold open. And mm-hmm. it should also be noted that, I mean, this is going to be a very Mulder-heavy episode. I believe one of the reasons why this show was written was to give David Duchovny a bit of a challenge. Yeah, to give him a little bit of an acting challenge, test his chops, so right. to speak. Well, I think especially with the way that season three ended and season four began, I think we began to, we talked about this last week, that, oh, David Duchovny's like, he's really beginning. He has to, depth. He's beginning to to really expand himself. Okay, now let's really, yeah. you know, keep his heart rate up in that manner of speaking. Yeah, and they, I think they liked, they found that they liked giving him and Scully more depth driven episodes where we're diving into them as people and not just people related to aliens. Right. Um, so yeah, we're, we, we finish this poem and then we quickly go back, I guess to, um, a sort of like 
what would you call this? It's a commune. Yeah. Like, I was going to say a temple, but it's, a, I guess, a commune. Um, and it's like all the FBI are there, right? So we are raiding the Temple of the Seven Stars. This is going mm-hmm. to be our cult for the episode. I think this is our first episode covered on the podcast around cults. Definitely our first. There's been like cultish ones mm-hmm. especially well, you talked about like the vampire cult or the cannibal cult yeah and then there was one with like a, a bunch of kids in a school and there was that kind of cult type thing like uh, kids in a school cult like a club no cult club i'm not even gonna go into it but <laughs> cults are abound and in, in the x-files and i also feel like there's this tendency for especially in the earlier seasons for scully to like try to explain paranormal stuff as, oh, it was probably a cult. Yeah. Like, if there's any sort of, like, ritualistic sacrifice or something, it was probably a cult. There was one where they were eating people. That was a fun cult. Yeah, it's like the cannibal cult. I mean, it's... The cults were, I guess, the... I don't want to say the rage back in these days, but they were certainly at top of mind, uh, to the point where uh, I believe that the the Heaven's Gate, like, uh, that that whole UFO religious cult with the, uh, the poison Kool-Aid... They, yeah. I think that happened about six months after this episode aired. Oh, really? Because yeah. the, they talk, they talk they, about Waco they in They talk this. about Waco. So we, we're sort of like in the midst between like the Manson stuff. Uh, yeah. And Oklahoma City as yeah. well. So like there's... Cult Central. There's a, yeah, the 90s were the... It was the cult decade. It was. It truly was. And, and also... And cult classics as well. And then I feel like recently in our time, there's just been a lot of like interest in cults from a like Netflix documentary exactly. perspective. So learning about them. So. Yeah. So, but the X-Files is here doing what, what, you know, making a murderer will do 20 mm-hmm. years later in their big-ass FBI jackets. I love them. I also just feel like um, I like that Scully's wearing, like, clearly a men's FBI jacket. Yeah. Like, they couldn't just get women's sizes No, you time. rock it. I mean, Jillian Anderson, you rock it. You they look it well. great. Also, I love the way she runs, like, when, like, with her gun down. Yeah. But Mulder is going to get, I don't know, some sort of sign as to... Yeah, he gets a feeling. He gets, like, a vibe. I mean, it's it's deja vu, I think. Yes, I think so, yeah. And so he finds a bunker, a la Unbreakable Kishmid. Yeah, he looks out through this glass window, and he sees a field, and he walks into the field, and Scully's like, where where the F are you going? She's like... You're walking off into the middle of a field. Well, and she also says a few times, there's like, there's no intelligence, there's anything beyond the the yard. Where are you going? (laughs) And, but evidently, Mulder's on the case here, as he finds an underground bunker where they hear. Spring. It was what Ephesius Vernon or Vernon Ephesius, whatever his his name is, the cult yeah. leader. Vernon is his first name, I think. Yeah, and then his like six or seven wives, Ephesian. who were all about to poison themselves. Yes, they're all gonna kill themselves. And so they stop them to do it, and now they're under lock and key, mm-hmm. and they're going to be interviewed about it. Seems like Vernon, this guy's up to no good. Well, so they raided this compound because of a tip that they got. Uh, at the FBI from somebody named Sydney mm-hmm. that basically said they had weapons. They had illegal weapons. They had illegal weapons and they were hurting the kids and there was all this like information that gave them the enough justifi- justifiable cause to go raid this compound, but they can't find the weapons. Yeah, and the the Sydney voice sounds a lot like, I don't know, like Brian Doyle Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just, just that kind of voice that talks like this. Yeah, very cigarette smoker type of vibe. Exactly. And so now... It's on Mulder and Scully. Essentially, what they have to do is find out, give probable cause to, to raid, yeah. raid the compound to find the illegal weaponry. Like they just have a tip off at this point, but they have no evidence that their illegal weapons are being stored on the ground. Right, and they also don't have anything to really keep these people much longer. Yeah. They're going to have to release them soon. Exactly. So they've been trying to go through the Rolodex of wives, and here 
we arrive on really the main wife of the episode. Yes. Melissa Afizian. It's always the Melissa. Always the Melissa. So this episode was actually written with this actress in mind, apparently. Yes. Christian Kristen Cloakey, which if you remember when we were talking about the writers for this episode, yes. uh, I do believe she is the wife of one of oh, the Oh, really? Writers. I didn't know that. I just knew they wrote it for her because they were in, she was in a series of theirs pr- yeah, prior. Yeah, Spencer compares it to like uh, Tim Burton and <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter. Of like, uh, oh, Great. you know, cast your partner in Love these types of things. Well, I think specifically they're like, in this, oh. it works in this because she's not like a famous person. I didn't know who she was. It, it's right. fine. But like, oh, we should, she can do voices. She can do personalities. Now, look, I think it's a little bit far from, you know, more impressive displays of multiple personalities. Well, order, like United States of Terra. Well, so this episode was supposed to be 18 minutes longer and they had to cut wow, an, an hour long. They cut three personalities. Oh, interesting. So yeah, there were three, we three. So there were three additional personalities that they had filmed of hers, and they cut it down to three. Yeah, because Melissa, I mean, look initially is like very Janine Garofalo, I suppose, if I'm invoking another 90s celebrity. I guess, yeah. She's supposed to be like your basic sister wife. Yeah, but she, but you know, when we see her, she's smoking a cigarette. She's a mm. little uh, droll. She's denying an attorney. Only been there for a year, and then all of a sudden, she just transforms, and she's got she's closed her eyes. She like, has like a little like she's like, she's like Gilbert Gottfried. Is yeah, she's like is. she's like almost like uh, like uh, winking, I guess, uh, wincing. Yeah, she's wincing, and she's like I think she's like she's tapping on her. She's fingers, a little tick, but, but it's almost like she's holding a cigar. Yeah, she really does remind me of Gilbert. Gottfried. Yeah, very like, much. Oh, so. my husband Jafar. Yeah, very much so. And so basically, they're they're interrogating her, and all of a sudden, she's changed into this guy. And yeah. but it's interesting because Mulder like snaps up he's like hmm well because it's it's a debate the classic Mulder scully conflict is scully believes classic multiple personality yeah Mulder believes this is her channeling a past life yes and so sydney talks about how harry truman is the president yeah so he has some evidence for this but i think he's really going off his gut feeling because he feels like he obviously believes in past lives and then on top of that like had some sort of deja vu where he found her and he he seems to recognize her like whenever he sees all three of them he like his eyes go to her and he's like hmm like this is weird and so yeah they're sort of fighting about that and then also a typical classic scully Mulder. They're saying, like, uh, oh, you led her on type yeah. vibe. Well, that's the thing. I think uh, Scully's trying to say, oh, no, you're chasing down this Melissa path for yourself mm-hmm. because you feel something yeah. uh, in different parts of your body. Uh, but And Scully also provides some interesting intel that obviously I did not know as, as a mere child of the 90s that apparently, according to her, at this point in time, multiple personality disorder is not really regarded as real. Yeah, so I think that that's why, so Scully says it, like, I don't know, but it could be this. Like, she's not, like, guaranteed. Right, she's saying, well, there's this new underground scientific phenomena called schizophrenia. Yeah, I think she's saying more like, it's like a new psychology, I mean... Think about mental health. Yeah, like the amount true. of stuff that was discovered between the 90s and now is like, I mean, it all existed. There was just no name for it. So she also maybe is saying, oh, multiple personalities. It's uh, it's so weird. It's out there. And yeah. she thought maybe Mulder would think the same thing. But he's like, no, no, no. Let's go step further. Past lives. Yeah. And so they're going to explore some more past lives or personality. What have you? Do you do you think it's past lives? Are they trying to imply it's past lives? Yeah, yeah, they're thing? definitely trying to imply it's past lives. But um, hypnosis time. Yeah. Oh, but, baby. Well, first we're going to get, uh, you know, like you said, many personalities got cut. We get a right. couple here. We get a brief glimpse at Lily, 
the child. Yeah, so they go back to the compound with Melissa because right. they're like, let's bring her there. Let's do some sense memory things. Maybe, maybe she'll lead us to where the weapons are, especially as Sydney, because they realize Sydney's voice is the informant. Right, so basically, in- including the name as well. They knew mm-hmm. that Sydney was the one to tip the feds off about him. So and clearly, they couldn't figure out who it was until yeah. now. But Sydney only knows a certain amount of information, so it's like maybe there are these various puzzle pieces of personalities that can get put together to form one cohesive picture. But Lily is going to leave very quickly, which is fine, because, again, I don't like adult babies or adults acting like children. Yeah, and she didn't... I would say her acting as Sydney is amazing. Her acting as Lily is annoying. Yeah, but I think we get into, I think, personally, my favorite personality, which is her southern debutante. Love it. Standing out. She's right. Speaking of Civil War. She stands out in the middle of the field, yeah, talking about, like, uh, oh, the guns are hidden in the bunker. Uh, and she basically is, is narrating a letter from a Civil War nurse to her husband, I suppose, yeah, Bo? Yeah, so basically narrating herself yeah. as this Civil War nurse writing to her husband who is in the war. Who is who is dead. Who is at, dead at the she, time. Because she ends with, this is the field where I watched you die. Yeah. So I think it's more, maybe it's more like a monologue. Like, yeah. it's like in the form of a letter. <laughs> it's like if we're trying to paint a picture here that... Past, her diary. Past Melissa had gone to the field and like maybe penned a, a, a diary entry yes of like oh i've i've went to the field i went to your gravesite today yeah exactly it's like her diary i'm like what is his name of oh, sullivan sullivan biddle sullivan biddle Sull- <laughs> yeah sullivan biddle i don't know not a real name sounds like the name of an old coot yeah that was found in like a mine shaft after 10 years yeah so there's sullivan biddle and sarah cavanaugh these are right. the other two and Mulder is convinced that he is Sullivan Biddle. Yeah, like, exactly. He's like, that's me. Like, Wait, I knew it. There was something here. There's yeah. something here. It's 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 uh, hundreds of years old at this point. Yeah. So they're going to. Is this where they do the hypnosis? Yeah. They so go back. Do, well, he wants. So he wants to do the hypnosis. And Scully, he's of course angry at Scully for not believing the the past lives thing. I think I do think this is when. They do the hypnosis on Mulder. Yeah, no. Well, first, I'm um, first on, on Melissa. I think they do that before they go to the compound. Well, but. Melissa talks about uh, tells a story right about because there's been accusations of mm-hmm. oh what, what you know what was Vernon doing and I guess one of the stories because when you hear he did stuff to children, yeah, your mind jumps to a bad place. Yeah, and also like what like which children are they okay? Do we need to like yeah, bring in child protective more services? Abuse. It's uh, they tell the story about how like. A boy was taken from his mother because Vernon believed he was uh, the reason. So yeah, of this a is Melissa telling a story yes. about a woman that she became friends with, who showed up on the the farm, and they took them into the church. And the son was took a, them to church. Sure, the son was a reincarnation of the prophet. So Ephesian took him under his wing. But then, like, slash stole him away from his mother. Stole him away from his mother, and his mother like snuck in to see him one night. And Ephesian took that to mean like he's clearly not the prophet, and he yeah. beat the shit out of both of them. Exactly, and called him garbage. Oh, uh, so mean. But as Melissa's about to go into more of the story, Sydney comes in. Which yes, is and he's like, leave her alone. Yeah, he's supposed to be her like protector. I'm your protector, Jafar. <laughs> he doesn't sound like that at all. No, that's exactly <laughs> the voice. It's pitch perfect. Okay. Um, but after all that, after that, you know, they hit that dead end very quickly. Mulder's like, Hey, you know what? I'm here. Why? What the heck? Let yeah. Me, let me try some, some hypnotherapy. Yeah. Mulder loves to be hypnotized. Man, what I noticed about both of them when they underwent the hypnotherapy, they do this thing where they put their right arm. Yeah. So I think that's a control. Like it's like a focus point. Oh, interesting. As far as I'm aware. I mean, because it's, not, it it's up, not like but... giving blood, right? Where you have to like keep no, it elevated. I think, I think it is a little bit like, not like that, but like, um, 
kind of like touching like a touch point mm-hmm. maybe so like if your arm is up you're focused on that and it helps you zone out yeah maybe it almost looked like he was like grabbing onto one of the bars like he's standing on the subway yeah but i, de- I definitely think it has to do with like getting into the zone well Mulder is in the zone and it is a rough zone we go through one of Mulder's supposed past lives yes. where he is a mother a Polish mother I, yes. during the Holocaust. Yeah, this was a little wild to me. I felt like they were just pulling like from such like specific historical things, you know, Civil War, Holocaust. Like if you think about your past life, most likely it was just like some rando. Yeah, well, and what, what are I, the chances that your past life is somebody who went through such a traumatic like existential situation? What I find so interesting about this is not only the idea of past lives, but also that no matter what iteration you exist in, your lives are always connected. It's very much yes. like uh, this is pretty Van- common. Daniel Savage and the Hawks, uh, yes. where because right because Mulder says like, "Oh, my sister Samantha was there, mm-hmm. but this time Samantha is her son." He talks about his his father and, and his mother being there. Scully's there, and so and the cigarette smoking man is a Nazi. So when I talked to when we watched this, I told you that this is a common theory of past lives that you travel in the same circle of souls. Interesting. So like. From from past life, maybe that's why I'm so haggard. I was just waiting for you. <laughs> You're waiting for like, come on, You're like, You're taking forever. Yeah, exactly. So I was so lonely, and then I found my soulmate. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that's that's a pretty common like theory of past lives is that you travel in the same circle of souls as you like move through the levels until you hit sort of uh, I don't know Nirvana or whatever. Yeah, and David Duchovny really brings it home here, not in home, yes. but you know, it really is just an entire close up on his face the entire time and he is really giving it you know he's he like just collapses into tears talking about what happened he mentions that melissa was uh his husband saying mm-hmm. we're always taken away every time this is when we get the sarah cavanaugh and sullivan biddle uh you know epiphany as well but i mean this is the first hand evidence that this episode was written to help give david Duchovny a, a bit of a showcase and i i think he i think, I think he, he does to the he occasion. does a great job it's a, the, the entire episode is a little OTT in terms of the emotion, yes, but I guess it is a little it, over the top. But I guess given the circumstances, right? These people are talking about the Civil War. They're talking about the Holocaust. Like these are very emotionally so intense situations. I also wonder if we had watched this one first, would you have felt more emotion? Because you were probably like a little like not that we watched them like six. Like, no, right we, we watched them a day apart. A day apart, but like you, it's hard to to get into this when you're also taking notes yeah. when when you're not just watching like i feel like if you were watching it you might have been a little bit more invested but i remember really liking this episode but never really feeling like same emotional pull that i felt from some other ones yeah but i mean it turns out that as much as Mulder has now gone down a very interesting path scully has been given the unfortunate task of saying please go to these civil war battle plans and figure out the bunker in which the weapons might have been hidden and she looks up uh, a little bit of, of what, like a, a guest book? Uh, uh, it's a registry. a registry. So this is pretty yeah. common in like town um, historical societies. They have registries. They have um, like a census information. And they also have like diaries and all yeah. that and photos. And, and, and it turns out that those people existed. Sarah Cavanaugh and Sullivan Biddle are indeed names. And so maybe it could be, you know, a psychic thing of like, well, I just got I just saw the name and came up with it. But it lends more credence to the theory that these are indeed the reincarnated souls of these two, uh, you know, torn apart lovers from the Civil War era. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that it's um pretty cool, actually. I, when I was younger, I used to be super into history, and I volunteered at the Historical Society in my town. Um, and the house that my parents own is actually a 300-plus-year-old home um, formerly owned by Aaron Burr, and there were like all these diaries of the people that used to live there, and we have them, and it's pretty cool to read them. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like hilarious because it'd be like, "Today we took down a tree, and that'll be it." <laughs> like, so, do you think that you and your family are reincarnated spirits of Aaron Burr? Are you Aaron no. Burr reincarnated? No, we we have quick to, wrap something for me. We're not related to the people that used to live there three hundred years yeah, ago. But maybe it brought you back to that place. You know, maybe the souls had existed anyway. there the entire time, anyway. just like it did here. Uh, so. Mulder is going to, he's, he's clearly very thrown to the point where he actually calls, calls Scully Dana for the first time maybe ever in my memory from what we've watched so far. Uh, and so Mulder is going to go find Melissa and Melissa, it seems like she denies it a little bit, right? She rips yes. up the, the photos that Scully comes back with. Well, so I think the issue is that she is probably a little stressed out from all of these personalities inhabiting her body. Right. So I don't Especially think... when they want something, the feds want yes. something from her, right? And I think for her, like, her main motivation is that she was part of this cult, and she's probably grappling with that as well, is this being married to a Fezian thing, and yeah. does she remain loyal to him? Does she help the feds? Like, she's probably just like, go away. You yeah. know? That's exactly. what I would. Well, I mean, I feel... I just feel bad. I mean, listen, you mentioned your experience with historical photos. Mm-hmm. She just straight up rips them up. Yeah, I was a little upset by that, but she doesn't care. <laughs> no, well, yeah, it's quite obvious that she doesn't care. She also says, I want to believe, which is very interesting. Yeah, I like that. Like, unprompted. Oh, it's very clear that she and Mulder run in the same circles. Mm-hmm. So the feds, with no evidence uh, behind them, have to leave the compound, and that makes Vernon decide, like, all right, well, uh, let's go while the getting is good and do our mass suicide take two. Yeah, so he takes everybody to the temple, to the main temple yeah, area. It's like a big-ass The meeting house or whatever. And the feds are watching. They can't go until they have probable cause. And they do when they say, all right, take out those guns and start shooting people. Yeah, wild. So all of the the parishioners... I guess I cultists so, yeah. start shooting at the feds and then they start shooting back and then Mulder just like runs into the gunfire and well, she's like, you're gonna get killed. Yeah, well, I think Mulder feels like he has this spiritual connection to this place. So he's like, no, I trust that, you know, if Melissa is involved, she yes. won't let me die. Uh, but Melissa's got her own problems here. Yeah. So Melissa is part of this whole mass suicide. They're passing out the Kool-Aid. She takes the Kool-Aid, but basically fakes dying yeah, she, she fakes dying until they get in there and then like Ephesian found out about it and mm-hmm. basically forces her to drink it yeah and then or or i think yeah she, but he or, does force her but she kind of just like succumbs to yeah, it at could that it be, point could it she be gives up at that point i mean listen talking about mental health could it just be a matter of her feeling like it's too much i think she just gives up she's like i fought i tried uh whatever bye but, as a last message because again the last conversation that melissa and Mulder had was her like turning him away right saying no, this, please go away. I'm not going to help you here. Yeah. I'm ripping up the photo. As Mulder finds Melissa with this, like, haunting Gregorian monk chanting. Yeah, over it, that was creepy. She was holding on to the photo. Yeah, because I think that she was having a tough time. Yeah, and so she was, it meant that he clearly still meant something to her, yeah. even though she turned him away. Yeah, or that the whole situation meant something to him. So it ends, as we talked about how it begins, we cut now to Mulder standing in the field with those two photos sort of ruminating on what he just experienced and how 
this one soul that he has been seemingly connected with has, you know, shed off this mortal yeah. coil, moving on to the next body. Moving on up. Yeah, move, I don't know, moving in some direction, at least. Levels of reincarnation. Do, I, does this come back? Is there a thing of her being like, no, Mulder, no. I knew you, I was Melissa? No. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine not. These sort of Monster of the Week episodes, while they do have, uh, like, very cool uh, ideas and concepts that often tie into the agents, they're usually not brought up again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, with for example of this is like oh past life if it's not tied to the main the main arc it's usually doesn't come back right if the, the past like we got to mention the cigarette smoking man here but really outside of that there hasn't been a mention of a lot of stuff from the main arc uh well we can do some quick spooks of the week because there are plenty to choose from specifically in the first episode um yeah i have the mom yeah mrs peacock she uh i guess you know she did not commit murder, unlike Mrs. Peacock and Clue, but... No, but she's not good. She's not, not good. She's def- she was very spooky. She Bad a- representation of mommyhood, might too. Be one of the, might be one of the spookiest characters we've experienced so far. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And when I'm in the field where I died, I mean... I feel bad saying Melissa. No, Ephesian for me. Like, he's a total, total creep. Yeah, I guess he is a, he is a sociopath and a cult leader. And he just is creepy as an like, actor. Yeah, because I remember when they're interrogating him, right? And all he just he responds so is weird. like, oh, God will come to cleanse us all. Yeah, and it's like, okay, buddy. Yeah, so uh, that makes sense for, for two spooks of the week. But yeah, these are two of, I think, yeah, you think, the most impactful episodes we have watched so far. At least intense. They're very intense. I think it's tough to say that I enjoyed them as much as I appreciated them. If that yeah, no, I I don't think you're supposed to enjoy Home. I think it's one of those ones that's like, it's uh, you need to watch it as somebody who's doing a rewatch of the X-Files, but it's definitely really upsetting and dark. And then this one is something that I know a lot of people don't like it. They mm-hmm. feel like it's too emotional, too like I like that, heavy. though. I, I like bringing in, like, so I know we do a lot of weird stuff and a lot of plot-heavy fun stuff, but sometimes it feels good to get very emotion- simple emotionally grounded especially for Mulder, who doesn't really have those yeah where the in. mystery isn't is it past lives it's how are the past lives affecting Mulder rather than the mystery of figuring out what happened you know yeah. it's more about like what's going to happen with them as individuals yeah i do feel bad that scully's kind of sidelined in the field she where I is died. she is she's i mean but she, she's his support yeah, exactly. Well, next week we're going to keep moving forward. Oh I be- boy! I believe we're going to stay on the monster of the week trail. We though, are. are, we not? So we are. So we're gonna- well to an extent. I would say that the, the both of the ones we're going to watch next week are monster of the week episodes, but do have some like uh, ties to overarching stories. All right, so we're going to be doing a season four, episode seven, musings of a cigarette smoking man. I can only imagine what that one's about. You're going to love it. And season four, episode ten paper hearts yeah it's a valentine's day episode oh it's so not or is it not <laughs> it's really really not all i can imagine is like the you know like the third grade classroom decorations oh of paper hearts. no no oh that 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 uh, reaction makes me very excited yeah, don't be all right i will, I will temper <laughs> my excitement there so we're going to talk about that next week on the bloom files uh, please follow along send us your thoughts if you want to xfiles at postshowrecaps.com or Bloomfiles at postshowrecaps.com yes. or tweet us at a Mike Bloom type at Ange Pelagi or at postshowrecaps about your thoughts on all these episodes. We just talked about two very big episodes. I'm sure people have thoughts about home especially. So yeah. let them be known. And we're going to keep going through season four, which has been hella weird so far yeah. in a fun way. So I'm excited to see how much weirder it gets. It will. Okay, good. That's a guarantee <laughs> from you to me. Yes, so we'll exactly. be back again next week. Again, Season 4, Episode 7, Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man, and Episode 10, Paper Hearts. Until then, case closed. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.